What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Have you ever been in a mental health crisis? You know, maybe it was a minor crisis, like a panic attack, or maybe you had a friend that was in a mental health crisis and they just couldn't, they couldn't figure out what to do. And, and they were either a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. And if you've been there, you know what it's like. And it's not, it's scary. It's not fun. It's a very dark place to go through a, a mental health crisis. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how one man turned a mental health crisis into helping others with Justin Hayes. Coming right up. Welcome to the Mental Health Today show. My name is John Cordray, and I am a licensed therapist and the host of this show. And I'm very, very excited that you are here, that you decided to listen wherever you are, whatever country you are, whether you're inside, outside, in the car, running, walking, wherever you are, I appreciate you very, very much. Well, I have a very, very interesting guest with me today, and I'm, I'm really excited about this because he's going to be talking about his his personal story and struggles with mental health and then how he not only overcame that, he turned it into helping other people and a lot of other people. And so I'm really interested to, to get to know Justin a little more and introduce you to him. But Justin has over 17 years of international business and marketing experience in a variety of industries, including steel, electric, and healthcare. And Justin is also an entrepreneur and mental health advocate and founder of Voices for Voices. And he is passionate about destigmatizing mental health and mental illness. Oh, I love that. And this is because Justin himself is living with a mental illness, with depression, general anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and he's on the autism spectrum. And with all of that, Justin has also written an autobiography called Prescription for Living. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, John. So excited to be with you. Well, I am excited to have you and because you, you're going to be talking about real life here. This is not a concept of a mental health crisis. You've lived it. You've gone through it. And in, and in some ways, you're still going through it. It's not like you found the magic pill and everything is fine, right? <laughs> uh, exactly. And, and I think that's a little misconception that some people in the community may have that if you start your recovery and you're doing well in certain areas that you're automatically healed, you're recovered. That's not the case, that it's an ongoing thing. Recovery is a daily 
occurrence and still have to fight and work with yourself and the methods and, and to continue doing things that are most beneficial in a positive way versus not so positive. Well, and I'm glad that you brought that up, Justin, that, that getting treatment, getting help for mental health is not a quick fix. It's an ongoing process. And sometimes it is really, really hard to go through it. One of the things that I tell my clients that sometimes therapy, it stirs all of that up, all of the, the emotions up. And you might leave a, a therapy session just like beaten up uh, because you really worked on some emotional baggage in your life. And it could be hard. And so I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it's not a quick fix. And it's not something that goes away immediately. And I think a lot of people, especially those who are just beginning their their mental illness journey. Maybe they just received a diagnosis of depression or anxiety, and it could be scary. And we want to take the path of least resistance, don't we? We don't want to feel bad. We want to, we want a quick fix, but it's not always that way. So tell me, Justin, tell me a little bit about your journey and how has it been? And when did you when did you get a, your diagnosis? And then what was it like to eventually at some point in your life, you decided, you know what, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to help others. Sure. I'll try to do it as concise as I can. So five years ago, this past November was really when I, I hit rock bottom uh, was what I call my mental health crisis. And that was a five-day inpatient stay at one of our local hospitals. I had previously, within that span of time that I was at the hospital, two weeks earlier, had three visits. So three visits and just over really a week, week and a half. Each time the doctors gave me the bill, clean bill of health, said that it was okay for me to go. I felt like I was dying, but the doctor said, you're not dying right now. Uh, but what was what was happening was I had up until that point, 35 years of things that I did that I felt guilty about, that I didn't have conversations, that I didn't I kind of close the close the gap. So relationships that went bad, that I was the, the source of things where I ended up overdosing on 32 cold and cough pills before I went to college. And I just tried to brush all those things under the rug. What I felt were, at the time, were normal things of, oh, this is just growing up. These things happen. Now I know that's not the, not the case, but those types of things like the overdosing on the, the 32 pills, if I was not taken to the hospital, at the, the time one of my friends did take me, uh, there was a good chance I, I wouldn't have made it. Uh, and, and so there's that event. Then there's the friend of how that relationship continued. And then it ended. And just other relationships, girlfriend relationships that ended just poorly. And, and I felt that that was just how things were. Uh, I was a good athlete growing up. Uh, baseball, basketball. After freshman year in high school, I was 
playing outfield and baseball and I started dropping pop-ups in games, a very, what would be considered an easy play, a pop-up right to you, have your glove, watch the ball into the glove, squeeze the glove and, and record an out. And so those were just some of the, the, the things that, that were happening. And what ended up, I guess, transitioning into the crisis was what I wrote down, I believe it was 128 different things. Maybe I mentioned this a, a little bit a bit earlier, but there were 128 things I felt guilty. I felt that I was at fault for that, that I just didn't, I wasn't a good communicator. And I just attributed it to me being an introvert. Well, I don't need to talk to anybody about this. I don't need medication. I'll just, I'll continue on. And continue on meant for me, Doing doing drugs, not on a, say not on a regular basis, but uh, experimenting, dabbling a little bit more than maybe considered normal. But really, the introduction of alcohol into into I don't say my my bad repertoire of alcohol became kind of the the drug of choice. So when I wasn't feeling well, I was feeling down, which as I now know, being depressed and down and adding more things that are down, like alcohol, depressant, that I was just, I was making the situation much worse. I blacked out several times. Relationships, because of the alcohol abuse that I was doing kind of to my myself, all these things were just kind of snowballed. Relationships, the alcohol abuse, the overdosing, the not wanting to talk about things, they're just balled up in, inside. And, and so that led to the mental health crisis where Five years ago, November, my body was starting really to shut down. I felt like I was allergic to everything I was eating. I was down to eating carrots and hummus each day. My weight was down 35 pounds. And I'll just make a note that I, up until that point, I was, I was never allergic to any food. So there were no allergies that had entered into kind of my life up until that point. Panic attacks while driving, had to pull over, uh, have my fiance at the time come pick me up. Then my parents would come pick up the car, go to the grocery store and have to walk right back out. That anxiety and that's what I was finding of being kind of on, on the, the spectrum scale with the, the lights and, and the loud sounds and things were just like would super bother me way more than usual. And I think part of the reason was I was basically withdrawing from from the, the, the drugs and, and the alcohol for, for so many years that my body's like, well, wait a minute, you're trying to go through life. You're trying to go to the grocery store sober, trying to go to a, an event sober, go to a movie, a concert. And so at that point, that hospital stay, that third stay, the psychological staff finally came in after many tests were run, and they gave me two choices. They said, Justin, you can leave tonight and you're not dying right now, or we can, or you can, uh, I wasn't being pink slip, but I was given the option that I could self-admit myself onto the psych wards of the Akron General Hospital. And so I was just married for five months at that point too. And so I looked at my life, I was like, well, what do I, what do I do? I had up until that point, I had all the answers or I could Google it. Huge misnomer that we, we know and I, I for sure know at this point. 
And so I finally kind of bit the bullet and I accepted that there were things that just needed to be addressed. I couldn't do it alone. I didn't know how much longer in life. I didn't have any suicidal plans, but all the things I was doing of withdrawing from certain activities, from teaching, from doing things, in addition to the anxiety, it was just really snowballing. And so I finally just said, okay, myself, I need to take care of this now because I I don't know what's going to happen next. Wow. That sounds like a lot. And you just described what I call compound mental health issues. And so often, a lot of times people, when they get diagnosed, they also have multiple diagnoses. And that can, I tell you, when you first get a diagnosis and you hear it for the first time, well, let me ask you, what went through your mind? If you remember when you first found out that you had a mental health diagnosis, what was that like for you? So this is going to sound maybe a little bit out there. Finding out, I started to, I'll say, I'll say I started to feel better. But what I mean by that was there was now something that I could attribute how I was feeling to. And there were people that were there to to help me that I knew that I could have surround me. So then I, instead of me trying to guess what it was or trying to guess what, what vitamin I needed to take. Well, I'm anxious. So, oh, let me go to the store when I can drive and let me go get some magnesium. Well, this magnesium isn't working. So let me try that magnesium. So now at that point, when I was diagnosed in the hospital, the acceptance was huge of just getting over myself and my ego and just wanting to do everything myself. And and that was that was probably the biggest thing. Second was getting the, the diagnosis. Third was, okay, I may have to take medication. I don't want to take medication the rest of my life. I was thinking to myself, I just kind of got past that and said, okay, I'm going to have to make some decisions in, in my life going forward. And if I do need medication, I don't want to. I don't know how long I'm going to have to take it. But if that's something I need and the professionals, not myself, if that's what they think, then I need to go with them. And then I'd say lastly was the first day, the first morning, first full morning that I, I was admitted and, and woke up in that ward. I thought, oh, I'm the only person that feels like this. I'm the only person that's going through this. But once I walked into the first group therapy, there were at least 10 other individuals bearing in ages, races. It didn't matter. There, there were people represented from all walks of life that were in there. And we went around and each person talked about you know why they were admitted, if, if they knew at that point, if they had been diagnosed before that, that therapy session. And the stories that I, I were here, here through that, by the time it got to me, I was probably halfway through with the, the introductions and it was my turn. And I started to feel like, oh, like I'm not alone. And it's so cliche. Sometimes it's organizations like you're not alone. And I think people get that, but I think sometimes that can maybe get overused a bit. And it wasn't until I internalized it and until I felt it, not just reading a a social media post, but actually I felt it. I was in the room with other people. I wasn't, you got me just reading something online. It was me sitting next to somebody who just tried committing suicide and then got admitted after they got their, their arms that cast on both of their arms after they tried to, you know, kill themselves. And so I started at that point 
that acceptance and then all those other reasons I just mentioned, that was my lowest, but it was also, I, I just felt like the first time I could really breathe and take a deep breath. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have other distractions. I could just focus on my health and the people that wanted to help me and trust that the people that were there to help me really did want to help me. Well, that's, that's incredible. And I appreciate you telling me that. And, you know, you, you said that you had to let go of your ego. And I think a lot of times it, it can be taken two ways when someone finds out they have a diagnosis and what the diagnosis is, it can go two ways. One is, Oh, that's why I do a certain things the way I do it. It's kind of what you were saying. And then there are some others will will look at that and say, oh my gosh, there is something wrong with me. I am crazy, right? They kind of take it the other way. And that's usually the two different ways of receiving that. But what I'm hearing you say that, yeah, it was, it was confirmation. It actually was helpful for you to actually have a diagnosis, a name, not a label, but a name that classified what it is that you struggle with. And then you can get the appropriate help for it which is what a diagnosis is supposed to do. Well, that's fantastic. And so you went into the the treatment center and you were in the group therapy. So you experienced all that and got to meet different people. In a way, your eyes were open, like you said, and you weren't alone. And you realized that that is the most meaningful, probably the one of the most meaningful things that you could realize in that moment when you looked around the group in the room, the group, and realize that there are people from all over and from all ages and, and a variety of different journeys themselves, you weren't alone. And that I'm sure was very reassuring and, and instilled some hope in you. So I'm really interested, take us from, from that moment, kind of your mental health crisis. You went into residential for a while into the hospital. You went through group therapy you received your diagnosis and take us from there into how are you helping people now? Cause I know you are the founder of voices for voices. And I would love to know a little bit more about that. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of smells like humans each week. We talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us because no matter who you are, we all smell like human. Please follow the link in the show notes. Yeah, it's, to think back at that, the low point to where, where I am today, it's just really, it's just, it's really awesome to, to think of that low point. I couldn't do anything. I needed help literally to do everything to, to where I'm now. So it was probably as soon as I was released, so there were other therapy sessions that I needed to go, go to, continue the, the medication, started back in the teaching, back in the kind of who I was, what I was doing prior to the mental health crisis. And 
through meetings with my my therapist at at the time, Alan, he knew that I was a writer, knew I liked to educate and like to help others and just share my experiences. Not that my experience is not the only experience. It's not perfect. It doesn't fit every every person. But he thought there might be elements that could help others. And and he he asked, Are you gonna share this with others? Well, the first people I had to share was with family, and that was hard to do. And it really didn't actually happen right off the bat. And and it's probably gonna sound a little bit out there to, to some of the some of the listeners, some of the audience of how, how they ended up finding out. They knew I was in the hospital, but we, we didn't share with my my wife's side of family kind of the, the the results of really why I was in hospital for five days. So with Alan, he recommended well, may not recommended, he said, you know, do you ever think about maybe sharing your experience with others through speaking or maybe through a book. And I was like, well, I can't share through a book because there's all these personal experiences, things I wanted to get past. I'm married. I don't want to get divorced right after I get married. And by rehashing these things, and I, I don't say I don't know why, but I, I, I decided, I'm like, yeah, maybe I do need to to write. And writing is cathartic and, and sharing and a sense of freedom of getting things off out of the person's mind, in this case, me, on the paper or somewhere and, and be able to move on. And so that's what I did. I, I I was able to meet a writer. She was able to take kind of my broken stories and broken experience, one, the broken experience, two, and really tie all those together into, into a book. And so that book ended up being titled uh, Prescription for Living, not for having to take the medication because some people need medication, some people might not, everybody's different. But prescription for living truly just meaning what is, what's the reason, what's the purpose for me living? And I spent my first 35 years after I was growing up being a toddler living really for myself, for my ego, for my internal pleasure, for all those things. And I wanted to change things. And I knew with kind of the new me, the authentic me, that helping others was the, the route to go. And so the first step was the putting, putting the book together and having not just my voice be, being told, but the voices of those from around me, the really the team approach. So the prescription for living for me isn't, it isn't the prescriptions that I, I take each day, but it's, it's the team approach that I went from me trying to do everything to myself to leaning on others, to professionals, to, yeah, I'm going to go to my therapy appointments. Yeah, I'm going to see my psychiatrist. Yeah, I'm going to, if the the chance which ended up did coming up, I was able to reconnect with one of my one of my therapists when I was in the hospital of not looking down at having to rely on others, but really just making my time more efficient that I could focus on what was most important to me, but then at the end of the day of my legacy of what do I want people to think about Justin Allen Hayes? when I'm no longer here. And I don't want them to think about the narcissistic person that I was. I want them to think that, okay, here's somebody that went through some traumatic things. And what they ended up doing with their lives was was helping others in that 
those same situations that potentially may not seek help because they don't have the finances to, to seek help because they don't, they think that they're, they're alone, that nobody else feels the way, way that they do, that they'll be judged from, from friends and, and others. If they do have a diagnosis, if they do have to take medication, if they're out with friends and they used to drink alcohol, being out with friends, doing that safely, and now they're not drinking. So now when I'm out, I don't, I haven't drank in over five years, drink alcohol. And that's huge to me is just the new me of taking the energy that I had of planning the party, planning to go out to do things that not so much that they were illegal. They're just maybe some of them on the immoral side of things that really, really, really got, got to me. And so I'm taking that energy and putting it to, to good use. So I did, I did found Voices for Voices in 2020, started out as a once a year event where individuals from all walks of life could talk about their stories, how they've overcome things in, in their lives. And we titled the event, A Brand New Day. So we've all gone through some things and we're, we're coming out the other side and we've, we're doing some positive things. So I had that first event October of last year in 2021 during, during COVID. And as that preparation was going on, I thought, I don't want it. I don't want this thing and up being Voices for Voices, the, the name of the organization. I don't want it just to be a one once a year event that raises money and, and, and helps helps people through situations that of needing help. Maybe they're in the hospital, they have insurance, but their bill still ends up being twenty thousand dollars. How are they gonna pay that? And and so I wanted to be a resource of Voices for Voices where we could cover those those expenses in, in, in the case case like that. So as the event planning was going on last October, things were growing and I ended up deciding I wanted to start a, a nonprofit organization. So named it Voices for Voices. I named it that because some people can communicate through verbally. Some people can't. Some play music. That's how they communicate. Some people do artwork. Some do sign language interpretation. People have different, not even challenges, but everybody's just different. And I wanted to, I wanted my organization to be a place that no matter if somebody was deaf and they play violin, that they could, they could uh, play potentially at, at our event and potentially be on one of my podcast episodes. If they need somebody to to share what they're share what they're saying through sign language interpretation, so I wanted everybody to feel that they could they could share their their voice. So that's how the organization started from an event. Now the event we're in our second year doing the event. Now we're working on grants and ways of fundraising to to be able to take it really to the next level. Which my big dream for Voices for Voices is to one day have a facility like St. Jude's in, in Tennessee does for children with cancer right here in Northeast Ohio that the individuals can come in whether they have insurance or they don't have insurance. They don't have to worry about if they have to travel from certain other states or other areas, maybe other countries. But the Voices for Voices location could be a place where they can get the care they need and not have to worry about things to be in paid 
paid for, how the how they're going to get the money. So that's my long term goal. Uh, and so each each day, kind of from from now on, has really uh, that's been my purpose of how can I make Voices for Voices aware that name aware to individuals to be able to fundraise and to be able to get the money to the people that that need it. I absolutely love that. And you you are not only transforming your own life, but you are working on transforming other people's lives. You're you're taking your tragedy, your your crisis, you lived it, you know what it's like, and now you're doing or you have been doing something about it. Fantastic. And I wish you all the best. Voices for Voices is incredible. Your autobiography that you wrote, that's incredible. And this is coming from not necessarily a mental health professional, but someone who's lived it. And that has its own authority. So I think that is fantastic. So Justin, tell us a little bit, how can, if someone's interested in either the Voices for Voices or your autobiography, Prescription for Living, where can they go? to check those out. Absolutely. Voicesforvoices.org is the website for Voices for Voices. There they can find our mission, our, our vision, information from last year's event, social media posts, ways to ways to donate, where their where their money goes to. We had a uh, a past trip here in, in in June where I was able to go to Warsaw, Poland, ship some hygienic supplies, some children's books over when I was going to be in Warsaw, Poland to one of the refugee centers and one of their trade trade show structures that they had to house 3,500 refugees. And so we have pictures of that, media stories, and all that can be found there. And prescription for living can be found anywhere you consume content. It can be uh, paperback on Amazon. It can be on your electronic e-reader, your netbook, iPad, or can even be on on Audible or where you listen to. Well, fantastic. I love how you have it very accessible and people can just look it up and, and see everything that you're doing. And that's that is just absolutely makes my heart sing for you to talk about how you have overcome it hasn't gone away, but you've overcome a lot of obstacles that was in your in your way, and you turned it into something that is helping so many other people. So well done, Justin. Well done. Well, I have one more question for you. One of the things that I ask my guests that come on is about self-care. I talk a lot about self-care, either on my podcast or individuals or even to my clients. And it's so important that we have some self-care and everybody has a little different way of doing self-care. And so I'm really interested, what are a few things that you do for self-care? Yeah. So small things, so some, uh, getting my hair cut every four to five weeks, I, I go get uh, a massage every month, month and a half. And with my family, my, my wife, Charlene, my daughter, Rosemary's green half and myself, we just moved from a really tight structure in an apartment to a house where we have room to, to spread out. And so I, I've recently started to pick back playing the, the guitar and at this year's a brand new day event in October, I'm going to be playing three songs, singing the three songs, and then 
the Ukrainian national anthem will be sung by an individual of Ukrainian descent here in Northeast Ohio. And then her and I are going to perform with the backdrop of the U.S. flag and the Ukrainian flag hanging from a, a scissor lift, a song together. So really, those are the, the big things that I'm doing today. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. So you get big things and you get little things that you do for self-care. And that's fantastic. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for coming on and just sharing your story, very personal story. And it takes a lot of guts to talk about your struggles in a way that you did. And I can tell just by the tone of your voice that you had a lot of hardship, but you are stronger because of it. And you're more resilient in, in what I call grit. And you're using that for good. And, and that's one of the things that I really want to encourage my listeners that no matter what you're going through, and maybe you are going through something for the first time like Justin did, and maybe you just got a diagnosis, or maybe you're in the throes of drugs and, and alcohol yourself, and you're trying to self-medicate. Wherever you are in your mental health journey, I hope listening to Justin's story has given you some hope, because you don't have to stay in the deepest, darkest nights and the dark days of your mental illness. You don't have to stay there. I know sometimes you are there and it's hard to not stay there, but you don't have to. And it's one step at a time, just like what Justin was saying. And you too can use your mental health crisis to help others, even if it's your neighbor or a friend or a family member. You can use your mental health crisis not as a way of, of holding you back or holding you down, but as a way to help others. And so that's why one of the main reasons why I have this podcast is because I continue to encourage you to work on your mental health. And what Justin just talked about is a great example of that. Well, I want to thank you all for listening. And if you're new, welcome. Really appreciate you. Would love for you to subscribe. If you think about it, I'd love to have a rating of the show that also helps me reach more and more people. And I want you to continue to work on your mental health. I'm going to say this every episode because that is something that you need to do. I always say try to do 1% more today than you did yesterday. And I want you to continue that. And remember that the Mental Health Today show has been championing your mental health since 2015. Take care. Bye-bye. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.